This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into the door report. I am Will Byram, joined as always, fortunately or unfortunately for his soul, by my co-host Trevor Hoolan. Here at the door report, we are powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty, and today is episode 240 of the door report, inching closer to a quarter of a thousand. Today is Wednesday, September 26th. And like I mentioned a little bit too early in this intro, we at the door report here are sponsored by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. If you're a first time home buyer or looking to move homes anywhere in the middle Tennessee area, Corey Perkins is your man. You can reach out to Corey via text or phone call at 615-967- 8623, or you can reach out to Corey via email at Corey Perkins at Realtracks.com. Realtracks spelled R E A L T R A C S.com. Trevor Hewlin, we have a beefy episode, but a quick episode. Yeah, it'll be, today. A, speed, it'll be a speed run. We're going to be trying to speed run. That's why I slowed down the intro at the beginning because the rest of this episode may sound like we are on fast forward. Trevor literally just walked in the door from class pursuing uh-huh. his master's in psychology. The educated one of the group. You got your master's? I do already have mine. I don't have mine yet. You got yours. Okay, Flex okay. a little. But you're, you're, you know, you're doing it in a little more scholarly work. I have an MBA. It's, <laughs> it's a master's, ah, a master's you know. baby. It's like Taco Bell mild sauce of having a master's degree. <laughs> but so Trevor just got back in from class, literally walked through the door. We set up the tablecloth and started rolling the recording on episode 240. I am leaving for Seattle early tomorrow morning. Trevor has been a gracious enough roommate to drive me to the airport early tomorrow morning. So I'll be leaving for Seattle early. 5.45 a.m., baby. So we are going to try to speed through a beefy episode 240. We have the Kentucky recap, mostly our reaction to the Kentucky game, because at this point I think there's been enough discussion of the nitty-gritty recap, and I'm kind of sick of – Reading about that sickening loss, 45 to 28, the doors fell to the Wildcats, moving to two and three on the season and 0 and 1 in SEC play as the Wildcats move to 4 and 0, undefeated on the season. Me and Trevor have our three key takeaways from the game. We also have the Missouri preview, a brief Missouri preview. Me and Trevor's three keys to the game and our predictions, which Uh, We'll get into that after this break. But before we get into all that and much more, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Door Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our 
space, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time for breaking news. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Trevor. How are the vibes? I forgot to ask at the beginning here. How are the vibes? Because on my end, they're not so fantastic, to put it lightly. I, I will say this. I think it's funny now that the term vibes and the idea of vibes is now synonymous with TDR. I At every football game I've been to, there's been a different gentleman sitting in front of me. Um, and every single time, this, a gentleman who I have not met will turn around and ask, how are the vibes? So I didn't get your name, but to the to the gentleman who is sitting in front of me who asked me the vibes before the game, uh, shout out to you. But the vibes right now are in the gutter. Uh, I think I'm more out on this team than you are, which is crazy. But I'm like, I think I, I don't I'm know. fighting the urges not to say like I want SOV in terms of football to be dead, but I'm dude, I'm really fighting the urge to say like SOV football. Okay, is this bad. is this is something that I don't know if struggled with is the right word because I don't care. I was positive and high on this team. I think you were more positive and a little bit higher oh, than me. Oh, of course. I think course. your vibes it, a lot of times our two takes even in my mind get like combined into the same TDR I was higher tape. on this team than you were. Yeah, I think. so I just think the fall is a little bit less for me. Is I think I was really leaning I we I think we both predicted 7 and 5. Which yes. It was kind of a lo- really lofty expectation in my eyes. Yeah. I was I was 7 and 5 with a heavy lean towards a realistic 6 and 6. A 6 and 6 still would have been a success. And, and I think in your season. yeah, and I think in your head you were a really solid 7 and 5. But I'm like I can see you a path could to see 8 it. and 4. Yeah. And you could see <laughs> the miracle CJF coach James Franklin type <laughs> season happening. And I just didn't quite see that yet. So yeah. it's not that you're more out or I'm less out on the team. I just think that our initial expectations were a tiny bit different. Well, it's but crazy. I was still high on this team. I'm not it's, trying to take back. No, absolutely. Well, it's it's so funny. Somebody tweeted us and said, "You and Will lied y'all's butts off uh, all during the off season. This team's two and ten. And then shout out to lied is it lied is a tough word. Yeah, shout shout out to tier one listener Justin Kirby, or uh, Justin Kemp. Sorry, Justin Kirby is also a tier one listener. But Justin Kemp, your Cowboys suck. I'm glad you guys lost on Sunday. Um, he tweeted and he's like, literally everybody thought this team would be six and six or seven and five. He's like, what? He's like, what are you talking? If about? you're a, if you're a, if you are a Vanderbilt fan and you didn't look at this roster with the returning talent, look at this schedule with 
how the SEC was shaping up even before the season and say, this team can go six and six, seven and five, then you're not a Vanderbilt fan. Yeah. You are masquerading as a Vanderbilt fan. I don't even know what to call you. You're rooting on your team's demise. It's, it's the strangest thing I've it's ever a seen. Weird, I, you don't see it with other fan bases. It's, it's, it's almost odd. like a, it's, dude, I don't, we know don't the history. It. We've been watching our whole lives. Our, our fathers our watched their whole lives. All the my stories. grandfather watched his whole life. My grandmother told me the stories. Yep. We know the history. But it, what is the point of being a fan of a team? That's the whole idea of sports. I think it was Barstool Big Cat. Big Cat yeah, in regards to a Justin Fields. He tweeted Fields. it recently yeah. about Justin Fields because he's had a struggle of a season on the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields, far. more like it. Oh, drafted him late in a lot of fantasy leagues. He's my fantasy quarterback. <laughs> He was just sitting there. It was like him or Ryan Tannehill. I was like, you know what? How about I get the great value Jalen Hurts? And I can't even believe I compared him to my beautiful, beautiful boy Jalen Hurts. I actually had Justin Fields. I got him late last year. and I don't even remember what I was talking about at this point. But I got him late last year. Yeah, yeah, and he tweeted. Somebody said, dude, what are you doing? Why do you even support this team like this or something like that? I don't have the actual tweet pulled up in front of me. He's like, like, why did you have so much hope in this team? Yeah, why did you have so much hope that Justin Fields is going to be like? And he was, that's so unrealistic in part. And Big Cat said, uh, what did he say? He said, said, you're going to be amazed when you find out what fan is short for. He said, said, oh, my God, alert the presses. A fan of a team got excited in the offseason. This has never happened before in human history. Something like he's like, like, oh, my God, a fan actually got excited during the offseason. Who I, would I wish thought? I could find the other tweet. Maybe it was something that someone retweeted or that he I retweeted it, off yeah, of yeah. it. But it was like they're going to be shocked when they find out what fan is short, short for. for the term fanatic. Fanatic. That's that's the idea. So if you looked at this team and didn't think there was an there was a realistic possibility to make a bowl game this year, then just quit wearing black and gold and quit supporting the program because you're just going to live in perpetual misery. And you're not a real fan in supporting this program at all. But Vanderbilt did have a disappointing performance against Kentucky, falling 45 to 28, as Trevor is adjusting the camera here. Let's run through the box score first because that tells a lot of the story of the disgusting box score. The disgusting, disgusting box score. You might as well start with the quarterbacks even whenever we had a win the box score was gross it's just gross (laughs) every every recap has been gross but i just want to be happy aj aj swan this was the worst performance thus far of his career undeniable he played awful uh there's no we have been a big supporter of aj swan this was a real moment in AJ Swan's career and development is which direction is the rest of his Vanderbilt football career going to go because this was really kind of a rock bottom performance AJ Swan 16 of 40 for 189 yards zero touchdowns three picks a 4.7 QBR Ken Seals came in late as a replacement 407 42 yards one touchdown no picks a 72.8 QBR Trevor what did you see out of the performance of swan bad bad that's what i saw i saw bad i saw someone who looked gun shy i saw someone who looked confused um i just i saw the worst aj swan i've seen so far and that and that sucks because as vanderbilt fans first and foremost uh we want aj swan to succeed because if aj swan succeeds this team succeeds um and i mean there's no other way to put it he had the he had his worst game of his career thus far 
facing an SEC defense in a situation kind of a kind of a hyped up game probably between the players with the interconnection in on the roster there and Swan just missed some throws. I mean there were there were some throws that the pick six early in the first quarter that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. It was so bad. Vibes Swan was so Swan bad. was just that was the definition of what Clark Lee said calling him a green belt of knowing just enough to be dangerous. He he avoided the initial Kentucky pass rusher and was being spun around by another, knew where his check down running back was. But you can't float that out late to the sideline, to the wide side of the field. You just can't. It was trying to do too much, trying to be Superman, instead of just going down and taking the four or five-yard loss. It's another example of he is a sophomore. I, I, I understand he was awful. There's yeah. no excuse for the performance. I'm not trying to say that. I think he would agree. He played terrible. I don't think he has ideas in his head that he went out there and played perfectly. Yeah. But there is a lot of progression to be had from sophomore to junior year. That is why I and I think you have been so high on Swan is it took Shermer, his freshman and his sophomore year to become the quarterback that we saw during his junior and senior season. There's a reason the term sophomore slump is a universal term. It's the first time that you have your tendencies on film and you are the guy being prepared for by the defense. And I think Swan got exposed, and it's time to pull his head out of his ass because something has to change because so far he's been too loose with the ball. We've known that that was an issue, but it hasn't been so pervasive. Now we're in SEC play, and I think it was last episode or a couple ago that we said something like, your issues in out-of-conference play become magnified mm-hmm. in conference play, Absolutely. and A.J. Swan's turnover issues were magnified. They certainly didn't go away. Ken Seals came in played pretty well i wasn't there i, I wasn't there either i left that was, well. that was the first i kid you not and i told you this me and my dad do not leave games early we i we probably haven't left a, a vanderbilt sporting event early in a decade just to give you context last year during the tennessee game whenever we were getting shut out and it was raining we literally stayed to the clock hit zero so if that tells you we really don't leave ball games early he threw that final pick i tapped my dad on the leg and i said i want to go home and we got up and we left I mean, the game started out Vanderbilt down twenty-one nothing. Yeah. So I mean, it, I we'll get into a very brief kind of timeline recap on the game. Let's keep going through this box score. Devin Leary, Kentucky's quarterback, fifteen of twenty-nine, two hundred five, one touchdown, two picks, a twenty-eight point four QBR overall. Not a great game by the secondary, but probably one of the better performances we've seen out of the secondary, even though it was still bad. With your two safeties out. With Jalen Mahoney ejected early due to a targeting penalty that was probably the right call by the rule book, but I hate that rule. Not the real intention yeah, of that like what rule. What the hell is he supposed to do there? Can we I mean he he lowered the helmet a little bit. I don't like the call. The ejection thing is what's is absurd ridiculous. with the targeting. There there has to be a way, kind of like how they do on sportsman likes, where it's once, if it's not so blatant and egregious and late after the play, it has to be twice mm-hmm. that you get that penalty because there's Clearly, it is instilled in the players' brains. The game has changed how hits are made. That just felt crazy to me. But yeah, being without both Wright and Jalen Mahoney certainly didn't help. But and then your backup with Savion Riley. Yeah, but overall, secondary wasn't the worst game. Created a couple turnovers in the rushing game. Kentucky is a team: thirty-one carries, one hundred and sixty yards, three touchdowns on the ground, with an average of five point two yards per carry. Ray Davis, 17 carries for 78 yards and two touchdowns with a long of 38 yards. 
a lot left to be desired from the run defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were without Langston. Worse. You were without Langston Patterson, <laughs> but yeah, worse. it only it's only downhill from here, yep. especially with number twenty three Missouri on the horizon, uh, with a very run heavy attack from the Tigers. Vanderbilt's rushing game once again pitiful. Could get absolutely nothing going on the ground as a team. Twenty seven carries for ninety seven yards, three point six yards per carry, two touchdowns. Cedric Alexander eight carries for thirty seven yards, one touchdown, four point six yards per carry. Patrick Smith twelve carries for thirty six yards, three yards a carry, one touchdown. AJ Swan five carries eleven yards, uh, and then Gillespie and McGowan with one carry each. A long rush as a team of eight yards. And that was on a Swan run, wasn't it? Uh, Seti had an eight-yard run Seti, as well. okay. But Swan and Seti both had an eight-yard oh, run. Oh, okay, yep. But it, you were just, as a team, as a Vanderbilt Commodore football team, you were going to struggle. What you- All right, after some brief technical difficulties, we got our IT department on it, which is Trevor and Phoebe. Mm-hmm. Phoebe was very helpful in the process. We were back up and running. I think it cut off. We were talking about Vanderbilt having a long run on the game yep. of eight yards. And that will never, I don't want to say will never, will likely never, I'll say will never, result in a win for a Vanderbilt football team against an SEC opponent when you do not have a run play resulting in double-digit yardage game. Yeah. I, I, you can't, that means you were unable so, to sustain time of possession. so bad. It's so bad, dude. It's the running backs. It's the offensive line. It's the scheme. It's everything. Everything about it sucks, dude. I like to always go back and watch the game, regardless of how painful it is, pretty recently before we start recording so that I can have these kind of emotional takes and I have the game fresh in my mind. So I'm not just running off the emotion of when I was in the stadium on Saturday I'm also running off the emotion of I just watched the game and saw it with my own eyes, so I don't necessarily need analytics. I don't need to point out specific plays. The offensive line right now is creating zero push against opponents. Mm -hmm. They weren't creating push against opponents when Vanderbilt was playing UNLV consistently. They weren't doing it against Hawaii consistently. They weren't even doing it consistently against Alabama A&M. They certainly were not doing it against Kentucky this Saturday. There's no push, no holes for the running backs to go through. And on top of that, when there are holes created, the running backs are missing them. Yeah. So it, it's not just the offensive line. It's not just the running backs. It's a combination of both. But what percentage? It's the run game as, in, as, a, as whole. a whole. And that's yes. affecting. I'm not excusing anything that Swan did in this game. He was terrible. But that's affecting how the passing game is able to operate when the defense can leave their safeties high bracketing your playmakers. Uh-huh. They can double team both Will Shepard and 100% of the time Kentucky was playing bracket coverage on Will Shepard. That's yeah. They basically were like, well, you can throw to anyone else, but yep. you're not throwing Will Shepard. And a lot of times they were doubling McGowan mm-hmm. as well. And McGowan was very uninvolved because there is no threat of a run game from no. this Vanderbilt offense right now. And that has to change or they're going to struggle the remainder of the season and go two and ten. If you're if you're a defense, why would you bring more than four? There's no there's reason no, you can there's get no, pressure with your base you can, four. You can literally they could run they, we're gonna get nickeled and dimed to death. We're gonna get nickel and defense dimed to death this season because they're just gonna throw in an extra B- DB because they're like, who the hell cares about their run game? Yeah, there's no threat right now. What percentage would you put on the offensive line versus the running backs right now? And then what percentage Ooh, would you that's put? That's a good question. Uh, let's let's have you um, 
I'm going to go 80-20 line running backs. Yeah, that's about where I would put it, 80-20. What percentage would you put on play calling versus the players play on the field right now? Basically, what percentage blame would you put on Joey That's Lynch really versus another the players? I I have said I hate Joey Lynch and he should be fired, um, and I stand by that. Uh, I'm gonna go. It's a tough question. I'm gonna go sixty forty play calling players. Okay, I'm I'm going opposite in a big way. I it's it's thirty percent on Joey Lynch right now. What? There is, there's no one, there is zero offensive coordinate. Maybe you can break it down further if I was to expand it out to the entire coaching staff and what the, what the scheme is with the offensive lines blocking. But with the performance of the offensive line right now, there's not an offensive coordinator in the country that could do anything because watching that Kentucky game like almost made my jaw drop when I rewatched it. Dude, from the opening snap of the game, the offensive line, was getting stonewalled by Kentucky's front three and four. Zero hole. There's zero run game. You're just running into a brick wall. So I'm still putting some blame. There are issues I have with the play calling and scheme 100%, but they are absolutely handcuffed. And Joey Lynch is handcuffed by the fact that Vanderbilt's tight ends can't block right now. And the camera is shifting oh, away. This is, what an episode. This What is. an episode. We'll just keep it going. But right now... It's there's only so much you can scheme. I'm not saying that the players are playing up to their talent potential right now either, but it's very easy to just say we need to be calling better plays. When you watch that film, you tell me what better plays you can call on obvious running downs throughout this season that Vanderbilt is consistently getting stuffed. I I don't know what play call fixes being unable to run between the tackles at all. It's just not an ability of this team right now. I just, I don't, I don't understand why this, why this offensive scheme is an RP is an RPO team. If I don't you, understand if you that either. If you can't That's run, why it's the not a hundred percent on the players. Dude, you're, you're t- Joey Lynch has to think that there's another way. There's no way that he keeps bashing his head into the wall. And it's like, we're going to run this RPO. And, and here's, going, and, and just, he's doing the same thing over. I mean, and there's no flow on offense. Like you said, this is where we get into our basic philosophical difference on this team. I and we'll get into it in our key. Take yes, that, that is. Yeah, we're we have a we have a yeah, philosophical into our key take, a philosophical difference, and and it, it's my number one key takeaway from the Kentucky game, um, as well. So we'll get into the receiving box score. Gamarion Carter was the leading receiver. Wow, two catches for forty-eight yards. Logan Kyle three catches thirty-seven yards. Lennon Humphreys three catches thirty-three yards. Will Shepard his lowest output of the season, two catches for thirty-one yards. Justin Ball, two catches for 21 yards. Quincy, two catches for 20 yards. Cameron Johnson, two catches, 19 yards, and the one touchdown catch from Ken Seals. Cedric Alexander, one catch, 11 yards. Gillespie, one catch, 7 yards. Junior Sherrill, one catch, 3 yards. Patrick Smith, one catch for 1 yard. On the defensive side, Marlon Sewell led the team with 9 total tackles, 2 solo tackles. C.J. Taylor came in second with 7 total tackles, 2 solos. Brian Longwell with five, Martel Height, Ethan Barr, Nate Clifton, Wataha, all with four tackles each. Wataha also had half a sack and one full tackle for loss. Nate Clifton with one and a half tackles for loss. Okay, so now we've done that. The recap of the game, I'll run through this very quickly. Kentucky jumped out to a 21 to nothing lead in the first quarter. Jalen Mahoney was ejected uh, in the first quarter for a targeting penalty. 
AJ Swan was the issue with one of those touchdowns from Kentucky. He threw a really bad pick six after Kentucky had driven down the field. An awful pick. But Kentucky had run 14 plays on offense and had scored 21 points as a team, 14 of which coming from Kentucky's offense. So the first 14 plays of the game from Kentucky was offensive plays resulted in 14 Kentucky points in the first quarter. An issue all around. Players, the staff was out-schemed early. When I see a first quarter dominated that badly, the immediate thought in my mind is that Stoops absolutely outcoached Clark Lee and staff. And his, oh, and, and his binder with the first 15 plays and 15 plays on both sides, it wasn't even close. He was 10 steps ahead. Every single thing Kentucky did looked like it worked. Every single thing Vanderbilt did failed. That's about all I'm going to give for the recap. The rest of the game was pretty disgusting. Vanderbilt showed a little bit of fight, closed it out in the end of the first half. They were only down 24 to 10, had a little bit of momentum going into that second half, but that was quickly dashed with another turnover. Uh, 31-13, I think, was the score at one point before Vanderbilt put on some points late to make the score look a little bit more respectable. 45-28, to Vanderbilt loses in their first SEC game of the season. To Kentucky, moving the Commodores to 2-3 and three on the season, 0-1 in the SEC. Trevor, any last comments before we get to our three key takeaways of the Vanderbilt-Kentucky game? We're not even in the month of October yet. I'm already miserable. Yep. That's my that's my comment. Pain. Yep. It just pain. It pain. really never it, it really never ends. All right. Let's get in to the very fun, I'm sure they will be, three takeaways from the Kentucky Vanderbilt game. And then we will get into the TDR cocktail break. Then we will get into the very brief Missouri preview and power through. We're already getting a little deeper into this episode than I was hoping to be at this point. But here we go, Trevor. <laughs> We're not even at the takeaways Jesus yet. Jesus Christ. What is your key, key takeaway number one? I guess we're going to get into our philosophical differences early because my key takeaway number one is Joey Lynch sucks. Um, this I don't disagree with that statement. You, you just disagree with the firing statement. I get just, him out. Clean staff. Dude, now, this is different. Reboot. This is different. I, I disagree... At the, and then I'll let you get into it. Sorry. I disagree like at the core with a lot of what Joey Lynch does. But what we're seeing on the field right now, the players don't have the ability to execute any offense that they're out there running. I think that's, that's where we disagree. That's where I just yeah. And, and here's and here's the this is just a gritty episode just because the camera keeps moving the camera shuts off the stream shuts off the audio is weird this is just this is this is the TDR difference right here um it, it, there's nothing redeeming about about the offense whatsoever I hate that we're not running a West Coast style offense with a West Coast quarterback um the fact that we continue to run an RPO style offense with an offensive line that cannot get any push. Um, not only can they get any push in the run game, um, in pass pro, they're they they're not just as bad, um, but they're pretty raw and not raw in a good way. Raw is in they suck. Um, it, it just the scheme with the personnel you have right now doesn't make any sense. 
Um, I get what you're saying with the run game. Running between the tackles is not working right now, but Joey Lynch just seems like he keeps bashing his head against a brick wall, thinking that maybe one day a brick is going to fall out and he's going to actually see daylight through the wall. That's what this run game feels like. I hate, and I know that, that Patrick Alexander, I know Chase Gillespie do not have the speed to do this. I hate, I hate, I hate how we're not using the pass game as an extension of the run game. I even want to see them utilize Jaden McGowan in this more. And also the fact that he got no catches is insane, inexcusable whatsoever. Get them out in space. Let's run some screens. Let's run some wide uh, halfback passes. Let's utilize Jaden in the run game. Let's stop with, I actually don't mind the sweeps to Jaden. I, I, other than a couple blunders, I think they can be effective. Use him in, in a run screen game. Use something that you're not just trying to bash. Uh, you, you're just running Patrick Smith into Julian Hernandez's backside, just hoping that maybe you get lucky and somebody trips and falls and he has a wide open hole. And that's the frustrating thing. And it just seems like the, it seems like the decisions and the passes they're wanting AJ Swan to make are super complicated. And it's just uh, it doesn't make any sense. It, it makes much more sense to ease him into the passing game. I love Will Shepard. I think we should force feed Will Shepard. If your only short game in the passing game is a slant to Will Shepard, what are we doing, man? Is that the is that the only short play that we can run in the pass game? Is just a slant to Will Shepard? Is there nothing else that we can run? The tight end screens to Camarion Pempton that they apparently love to run with Ken Seals, I think have resulted in two touchdowns, but for some reason they don't want to utilize that. And it just seems like they're they're trying and this is where I sort of want to give AJ a little bit of slack. Is in in I don't want to like psychoanalyze him, but it seems like he's tr he's got so much on his plate, and he has the mentality of every play needs to be a big play. And I think that's because this offense is so stagnant. So there's got to be there's got to be some other way to maybe have a, a shorter, more efficient game so that you can ease him into it, so that. We're not just running these dumb fades on second and nine or, or whatever. It's just it's it's ridiculous to me, man. And it's so frustrating. And I just if I see if I see another Patrick Smith run into the backside of Julian Hernandez, I might I might commit a crime. I'm gonna have to be escorted out of first bank. With that being said, the offense is just not getting it done with me. We thought going into the season that with the weapons you have a receiver, you should be able to just absolutely dink and dunk your way down the field. And they've shown that they're capable of that. But dude, the play calling and just I I hate running an RPO with with AJ Swan. I get that that's that's the offense that is that is. That is the sexy offense now, but it's just not getting it done, dude. Simplify it, dumb it down. Let's go to a West Coast offense and something that he's comfortable with, man. I just see teams across college football. So it, I think 70-30 also sounds too harsh now that I'm like hearing it. I think I still put 60% on the players, and I'll get to why in a second. Um, but probably yet, right now the offense looks like they're so dependent on the big play through the passing game in the air. Yes. The ball traveling 20, 25 plus yards in the Shot air. Put plays, dude. Instead of instead of what you see consistently across the country, which is just getting playmakers in space. Yeah. Just short throws, one-on-one -on -one situations on the outside. And if they make one guy miss, it's a 15, 20-yard game. Vanderbilt just doesn't have that in the playbook outside no. of, like you said, when Ken Seals comes in. 
they just magically have short dump off screens to run. Can we not have a shallow cross to Jade McGowan and just let him work against the defender? No. Is that now does with, that sound crazy? I'm glad you expressed the issues with the play calling because my key takeaway number one is the speed slash talent gap is still massive across the board. That's one of my keys too. So that's, I'll go ahead and nix that. Yeah, that's my number one is go especially I saw it in person live, but going back and watching that game and not being hung up on what was going on and just being like, dear God, Kentucky across the board looked bigger, stronger, and faster. They no, just because did. they were. They were. Yeah. They just it they didn't look it. They just were. And I don't know if that's a product of the lack of transfers coming into Vanderbilt and the surplus plethora coming into Kentucky's program, but something has to change because the talent is not there to compete with Kentucky. It's not going to be there to compete week in, week out against other SEC opponents. Mm -hmm. So the talent gap, that's why coaching to me, a lot of times it boils down. Yes, in college, coaching is more important. And yes, in college, you are responsible for the Jimmys and the Joes. But a lot of the time it comes down to the Jimmys and the Joes and not the X's and the O's. And right now, Vanderbilt just doesn't have it. They just simply don't have the athletes across the board. They have individual guys that are SEC talent. They have individual position groups that might even be talented as an SEC program. But across the board, just having individual guys and having six or seven guys that would play and get snaps for other SEC teams is never going to have you consistently winning. Uh. And so I, I thought we had more guys before this season. Right now, it's not playing out that way. Well, and Clark Lee keeps saying, I want this to be a developmental program. Clark, where's the development? I ain't seeing any development. I'm seeing regression. I'm seeing the opposite of development. I'm seeing Vanderbilt football going backwards. You want to talk about being a developmental program. Let's develop some guys. We have had guys take a step back. We are, we are going in the wrong direction in terms of player development. What's your number two, Kate? My number two is... God. Just nothing is good. Like, just, it's just... I know that sounds so bland and, like, defeatist, but, like, nothing is good right now. There's no part of this team that is redeemable right now, would you say? I don't, and I, Matt Hayball? Is Matt Hayball the best player on Vanderbilt? Yeah, and we would have said the punting unit, except last week, our boy Schelling had a snap hit Justin Ball in the stomach. And even some of Wesley Schelling's snaps in the field goal uh, department have been high. Have you noticed that? A lot yeah, of the pretty snaps. pretty much it's just, just when Hayball gets the ball to him. That's about the only bright spot. Well, dude, it's just like nothing about this team. It, nothing about the play on the field. Nothing about what we're seeing on the sidelines is good right now, dude. And it's just, I like I said, I don't want to sound defeatist, man. But like I watched that Kentucky game and then I went back and I, I didn't watch the whole game, but I watched like highlights and I'm just like, dude, what happened to the talent that we thought we had? Like, how how are we how are we taking a step backwards? So this plays perfectly into my key number two, which is the offensive line just continues to get worse. There is one play. I wrote down the timestamp. It's in the second quarter. You can go watch it. 11 minutes and 28 seconds. Vanderbilt is currently down 21 to nothing. There is a false start on the offensive line. And then the next play, Gunnar Hansen at left tackle doesn't even get out of his stance. 
Literally, Vanderbilt snaps the ball. Everyone else goes except Gunnar Hansen, and Kentucky's rusher just immediately hammers A.J. Swan. That is the story of the game. Go back on Hulu or wherever you have it recorded, YouTube, whatever you want to look at. Go to 11 minutes and 40 seconds or so and watch that sequence from the offensive line. That is it. That is why this team sucks right now. It and is, that's from your best, it, uh, arguably your best offensive it, lineman. Just, that's a, it's not just Gunnar Hansen. I'm not yeah. meaning to call him out individually. No, yeah, yeah. It's the whole group, but that's a microcosm of this offensive line was supposed to be a strength of the team. And instead, they are clearly outside of corner, the worst position group on this roster. Or they are performing that way right now. And the stats reflect that. That's the I, I'd never call out position groups like that without the stats to reflect it. If Vanderbilt's offensive line was not truly performing horrendously, Vanderbilt would not rank number 115 in the country in yards per rush. They would not rank number 117 in rushing yards per game, averaging 82 yards rushing per game. Vanderbilt only runs the ball 41.5% of the time, number 118 in the country. Do you know how amazing it is to average that few yards per carry when you're that intermittently running the football? That's embarrassing. It's yeah, It's awful. That doesn't even get into the pressure percentage stats because that feels like just beating a dead horse. The offensive line, until they get better, this team has zero opportunity to win a game. It is all on the offensive line. That's why this team has regressed right now is the offensive line and Coach Blazik have regressed. What's, yeah, what's your key number three? You took my key number three with oh, depth. Shit. We can just, I mean, I will I will say um, in regards to depth, I do agree the depth is not there yet. I did want to spotlight one player. I thought Marlon Sewell had a yep. wonderful game. Um, shout out to him. Uh, put in a tough position um, with all those guys ahead of you being out. I thought he had a wonderful game. So shout out Marlon Sewell. He was a bright spot. The secondary had problems, but it was not as bad as it could have been missing two starting six. Yo, shout out to John House for making a big play with that interception. He played that ball perfectly. He was running stride for stride with his man. Like that was textbook coverage. They had him they had him locked up, but he still made a play. Yeah, this ball. is this is really one of the 45 point performances out of Kentucky that yes, it was a bad performance from the defense if you're a good defense, but it that was a little bit misleading with the 45 points that Kentucky put up. Yes, there were issues, but Vanderbilt's offense put the defense in a lot of precarious situations throughout that game on top of giving up two pick sixes. Yeah. So my third key takeaway is just three things I'm going to list off, and then we're going to get into the TDR cocktail break. My key takeaway number three is turnovers, penalties, and you're not going to win a game with Ken Seals at quarterback. I love you, Ken. And now it's time for the TDR cocktail break. Especially, unless, unless... You, the only way you're going to win a game with Ken Seals is if the running game magically gets better. With with how the offensive line is See, performing there's no right quarterback now, quarterback you could put in right now yeah. and they would succeed. So you, it's not even really a Ken, Ken Seals thing. is go. Yeah, it, it's AJ Swan is having the struggles he is having, but there's no fix on this roster. That's why it's frustrating to hear the outside criticisms. Is what is going to be better? Than, than a sophomore quarterback starting and A.J. Swan with clear arm talent is I don't see a path forward better, but A.J. Swan has to be better moving forward for this team to win any games. Yeah, absolutely. With that being said, it's now time for the still unsponsored TDR cocktail break. Welcome back 
from your TDR cocktail break. Hope you have a delicious cold beverage sitting next to you. It's now time for the Missouri preview. Me and Trevor's three keys to the game and our predictions. I don't even say victories. <laughs> why, did the, I'm why do we even do this I'm right broken. now? I'm so... I'm dead. I'm you, dead inside. You can't kill outside. what's already dead, but that's a lie. You can actually... They, this can team brought it. me back from the dead and then killed me again. All right, so Missouri coming in, number 23 in the country, 4-0. Drinkowitz. Dorkowitz. Dorkowitz, clown. Quarterback was booed early in the season. Brady Cook has not thrown an interception yet this year. 72 of 100, 1,073 yards, seven touchdowns, no picks. Uh, but also has not been asked to do a whole lot within this Missouri offense. They're running back. Uh, main running back, Cody Schrader, 65 carries, 403 yards, 6.2 yards per carry. Uh, and then Trevor, you have, a, and then Nathaniel Pete also mixes in as the RB2. And then Trevor, you brought it up in the break uh, during the TDR cocktail break. Probably the best receiver that Vanderbilt has, not probably, he is, he the, is best, the best, the receiver that Vanderbilt has faced this year, Luther Burden, the third. So far this season, he has 32 catches for 504 yards and three touchdowns. For context, the second highest receiving yardage leader on Missouri's team has 137 yards. This guy's going to piece us up. So he is, Burden is basically Missouri's entire pass game at that receiver position. Trevor, anything else you wanted to add on Missouri? It's going to be a really bad ball game. I can't believe I'm going to it. Shout out to my sweet mother. This Saturday is actually her birthday, and she scheduled her birthday plans so that I could go to the game, which she shouldn't have done that, but I guess I'm going to the Missouri game now. So I will not be in attendance, unfortunately. <sighs> One of the first games I've missed in a while. Happy so. birthday, Mom. This will probably be the one that Vanderbilt wins because I am not in attendance, putting my curse upon them. <laughs> Trevor, that's pretty much it. I, I don't I don't have the energy for a full Missouri breakdown. If you want a full Missouri breakdown, go to Vandy twenty four seven or, or go Vandy to VandySports dot com. They'll break it down for you. Vandy football almost killed Luke Wise. You see that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was almost a dead he almost man. Died in Chili's. Did you see the professionalism of Billy Derrick? As he's like, all right, let me take over here. <laughs> Brother almost died in a West End Chili's. <laughs> Dude, that's how I want to go out. Just yeah, dude, slamming some chili wings. Sla slamming some, uh, what do they call those chicken tendies they got? Uh, oh, shit. What are those called? So long. Um, I don't know, dude. Come on. They're dude. so delicious. I can't. I have so many links pulled up on my phone. Oh, you want me to go into my key number one? No, yeah, go into your key number one here, Trevor. My key number one is, as we previously stated or went over into the Kentucky game, is you got to slow down the offense. I don't want to see no more hurry up. I don't want to see any more uh, crispers, chicken crispers. Oh, That's they're, they're so good. The honey barbecue indigestion every time. Chili sponsor the pod. Um, but yeah, you got to slow down the offense. You have to do something. And when, what I mean by that is just get them into a rhythm, get them into a flow, get them into a state to where 
it doesn't seem like it's just balls to the walls crazy all the time because that's what this offense feels like. It just it feels like it's going like everything about this offense right now is freaking insane to me. It's crazy. The good plays are crazy. The bad plays are crazy. The, the, the plays that go for no yardage are crazy, it seems. Everything about this offense is crazy in a not good way. Just slow it down. Just get some flow. Um, I, this isn't breaking news, but I've had – Multiple people tell me that Ken Seals is going to play this game. So you, if you didn't know that already, then that's not even really breaking. That's not even really breaking news. But Ken Seals is probably going to play this game. Um, I've had like ten people tell me that. Um, Big J Journo over here. You got to do something to get him into a rhythm. Just slow the game down for the offense and just eat clock. The longer your offense is on the field, the less your defense is, and the less your defense can be a liability. So key number one. I bet you can guess what my key number one is going to be when the turnover battle. Oh, God. Because once again, oh, God. Vanderbilt ah! did not do it. It was so early in the game. Dude, it was just, it's been my oh. key number one all year. They don't care about you. They, they, they don't hate care. you. They, I Andy think football hates TDR and Will Byron. I think AJ Swan spun around avoided a kentucky defender it looked up in into section, section a, a he said this bozo and said clown and <laughs> threw that pick because of me so that's my key number one is the curb your enthusiasm song just plays dude it really <laughs> it's just like that is it if that's key number one because it's it's an old cliche because it's true this vanderbilt team has to win the turnover battle number one in order to compete in sec games they did not do that. And not just the turnover battle, because Vanderbilt forced a couple interceptions. Vanderbilt has to win the field position battle and scoring opportunities off of those turnovers. And, and that's what it. and that's what Kentucky did, and Vanderbilt has not been doing. So win the turnover battle and win the field position battle off of those turnovers. Trevor, what do you got for your key number two? Also, back to this is not my key number two, but I just want to make a brief note. Uh, the red zone offense is terrible. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that. My key—I <laughs> don't know if the mic picked that up, but Will's taking a Zen break. Um, God knows we need it. Um, key number two—you got to contain Luther Burden. The easier said than done. Is he? I—he might be the best receiver Vanderbilt faces all year. Um, I'm not going to consider um, freaking what's that loser at Georgia, the tight end. Um, but yeah, Brock Bowers. I'm not going to consider the receiving threat is 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 a better way to say it. he might be the best receiving threat you face all season. Like this kid has got it. Um, he's going to take the top off this defense. I don't even know why I put this as a key because resistance is futile. It's like me saying the turnover battle. It's not. Gonna it's happen. not going to happen. But I'm just going to say I'm just going to put it down to the ether in hopes that the football gods honor my key to victory. Um, you got to contain burden. Um, is that going to happen? Probably not. I. I this team could the only thing the only way Vanderbilt contains Luther Burden is if Casey Hayward comes out and says I think I have they grant Casey Hayward a COVID year please Casey please come back please. baby um that's the only way that we're gonna stop him but I don't know Dan Jackson or, and not yeah Dan Jackson and Nick Howell I don't know if we could use our frontal cortex um just a teeny bit maybe it might work well, I don't know we're bringing this about. guy named Juan Jennings. Instead oh. of Joan Jennings. Yes. <laughs> he just comes in with a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> mustache Juan Jennings. Uh, so my key number two is a 
it's an obvious one, but it they're all so obvious. But I have stats as to reasons why I. So my initially my key number two was going to be stop the run, but I hated that so much. And I because I want to get some stats out there, and I was to win the ball, and I was going to get into how much Missouri runs the football in comparison to how much they throw the football. But then I dug into the stats a little more, and my key number two is going to be limit big plays through the passing game. One of the most interesting stats that I saw, Missouri ranks, let me make sure I'm looking at the right stat, 101st in the country in pass play percentage on offense. They only throw the ball about 44% of the time. Missouri ranks number four in the country in yards per pass. 11.3 11.3 yards per pass on average. Missouri runs the ball. Uh, I should be able to do the math the other direction. Missouri runs the ball over 55% of the time, only runs it 44% of the time. But when Missouri throws the football, because of the playmakers they have on the outside, because of Durden, Burden, not Tyler Durden, Luther Burden, yeah, Luther Burden, thinking about Fight Club, might watch that on Don't the plane. Don't talk about Fight Club. Because of him and the playmakers they have on the outside, you cannot allow them to hit big plays in the passing game. Just as a given, they are going to run the football on Vanderbilt. So just leave the safeties high and just hope they fumble. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I'm out of ideas, dude. Just like a madman scribbling on a wall. Yeah, like, I'm looking, Whoa. I'm looking at these stats and I'm like, wow, our def- Vanderbilt's defense is really bad. <laughs> no. It's really bad. Every stat, everything is just terrible. Everything on Vanderbilt's rushing game is so awful on offense. But yeah, limit big plays through the passing game. I know that sounds counterintuitive because Missouri is the first run first offense that Vanderbilt has really played. But when Missouri does throw it, they create big plays through the air. So limit those big plays. Not like Vanderbilt's been able to do that all year. So why would they start now against the best receiving threat they've seen all season? Yep. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to. Um, My key number three, get Jaden McGowan involved in the pass game, in the run game. I don't care. I don't care if he takes wildcat snaps. I really don't. You need to get the ball in Jaden McGowan's hands and just let him work. The fact that Vanderbilt has a speedster like this that they have not had in God, I don't know, a long time, and they just refuse to utilize him more is insane to me. It makes no sense. Phoebe's just cat hair. It's just, oh, dang it, dang it, dang it, dang it. All right. All right, it happens. We're we're having a rough farts, night. Farts are funny. That's, don't let anyone tell you different. <laughs> dudes really don't. The dudes never change. Um, but yeah, you got to get Jaden McGowan involved in this game, and, and, and just dude, whether it's a short yardage pass, I don't care, dude. You got to get him involved. Having playmakers on your offense and refusing to utilize them is, like I said before, a fireable offense. Um, everybody in the stands who's a Vanderbilt fan would try and get Jaden McGowan the ball in his hands by any means necessary. Get Jaden McGowan the ball. I also have a bonus key number three, but this is for Vanderbilt fans um, and their happiness. Um, whenever you get sad about Vanderbilt football, just remember that Vanderbilt basketball is right around the season. November is coming. Ty and the boys are going to be What's the how, how many days away are we from basketball season? I think 41. So in a few weeks, we'll be having to do a basketball preview. Bro, we're going absolutely dumpster Presbyterian. 
Rest in peace. I'll be at that game. I'll be at that game too. I'll be at that game. There we go. I've got a I've got a buddy that's actually so bad. I've got a buddy, a gambling buddy that's actually a big Presbyterian fan. Yeah, you told me about that. We might have on the pod. Yeah, I'll be. He might be helping preview. Uh, give some real insight into the Presbyterian blue hose. Is that right? Or that blue? That's not right. I think that is right. Is that right? Look at that knowledge, just off the dome. What is that? Useless dude knowledge. Just give your key number three. Yes, that was my key number three. Okay. My key number three is going to be a key I had last week as well, but this one's a little more interesting <laughs> because this, there's a reason even more so. It's not just because the opponent is good. Mine is win third down. Another obvious cliche. But the interesting part of this and why I bring it up is both Vanderbilt and Missouri's third down defense is in the bottom 30 in the country. Missouri is allowing conversions on 45.28% of third downs while they're on defense, number 104 in the country. Vanderbilt is allowing conversions on over 50% of third down opportunities for opponents, ranking 120th in the country. Missouri's offense is horrific on third downs, ranking 118th in the country, converting less than 30% of their third downs. Vanderbilt, on the other hand, ranks 54th in the country, converting over 41% of their third down opportunities. So I tried to find something in the stats that gave Vanderbilt an advantage. That is the advantage Vanderbilt has. Vanderbilt has, theoretically, I know you dropped the news, Ken Seals is now the starting quarterback, so that may take away our only advantage. But <laughs> Vanderbilt has a better passing game, meaning they have more of an oper- a more consistent passing game and and a more diverse passing game which now i think is taken away but win third down i I mean all my keys are basically pointless i don't know how vanderbilt wins this game especially especially with the limitations that are now going to be imposed on the offense it's just so bad i just really hope that if ken seals does trot out there they just let him run the full offense I I, hope I agree. We, I hope we don't see some limited version of the offense, which is Let what I, cook. which is what I'm afraid of. Is we're going to see a dialed, toned down version of the offense. I want just if he's going to play and start, air it out. That's the only opportunity you have. Truly, what do you have to lose? Let the boy air it out. Can I put a little thing into the ether before we get into our final predictions? What if Ken Seals, storybook ending to his career? Leads the doors to a bowl game, maybe. Don't you bring, don't you bring that up? Maybe. (laughs) I have gonna happen. I have sucks. We're gonna finish two and ten. By the way, this is how I know that that could have been a possibility before you said anything. (laughs) That thought had never even crossed my mind. That is the first time I've had that thought, and because I have had that thought now, it will not happen. Oh, I, I had truly how it works? the only way that a victory can happen, and I'm having shades of 2019 when Vanderbilt lost to UNLV, oh, and then the God. next game beat a ranked Missouri team the following week. There's a game, a loss to Kentucky this year in between, but things are playing out a little bit too similarly for my liking. I was on a bachelor to party during the UNLV game. There's too much. <laughs> There's too much. I don't like it. Are we going to go through a coaching change and after also, next season? And also, <laughs> let's keep in mind how horrible the 2019 season was. So, so that bad. is not the season you want to be drawing comparisons to. But, Trevor, I think that leads us into our predictions here. Yep. 
You want me to go first? I always go first. Let's go first. Yeah, uh, we're going to get dumpstered in this game. Uh, we're going to lose 41-17. That's my prediction. Um, there will be nothing redeemable about this game whatsoever. Offense will be bad. Defense will be bad. Uh, I also a little another little bonus tidbit. I'm predicting Luther Burden 150 yards receiving. I think this will be a game. So you're locking that in. Yeah. Do we? Do we have the Zins? I got one. Some in my bag. That was my last one that I put in. We had to lock it in on the Zin. Final score prediction. Uh, I said 41-17. Yep. 41-17, locking it on the Zen. Last week, what was your prediction for the Kentucky game? I think we I both, was very we, close. We, we were 38-24. 30, 30, we were very yeah, close. Yeah, that was probably, and we had the same exact prediction. This week, we do not have the same exact prediction. Missouri runs the ball a lot. Um, I think that Vanderbilt is going to attempt to hold the ball as much as possible, especially if Ken Seals is at quarterback. I think this will be a game of limited possessions. That being said, I think Vanderbilt gets beaten pretty soundly. I think there's a reason this line is set and was set initially as a 12-point line. It's now not ballooned, but it's expanded out to where Vanderbilt's a 13-point underdog against Missouri. I think Missouri puts up points. I'm going to go Missouri 38, Vanderbilt 20. I think Missouri locking it in Missouri 38 Vanderbilt 20 locking it in. I might be a little optimistic on the scoring output for the offense, Mm -hmm. but I I do think Vanderbilt will be able to hang around with this Missouri team. I just don't think they have the dogs to beat them. And I think burden eventually breaks open a couple big plays. I'm sure you know this, but Vanderbilt's own five against the spread. Yep. Yep, only team in the nation. You would think it's winless against the spread. You would think at some point that tide would turn. My bankroll would pray that tide would turn at it's some point. It's not going to turn. I don't We're going to th- finish 2 and 10. If I was if I take my heart out of it, I would bet Missouri in this game. I would definitely even with what I said about run heavy offense from Missouri, I would still bet the over. I think the over's 54 and a half. Uh, barring weather, I, I just think with the turnover proneness of Vanderbilt, even with a different quarterback, granted Missouri's not thrown an interception at some point that streak has to end. I think it will be this game. I think they will have a slip up. I think there will be more than 54 and a half points scored just because Vanderbilt's defense does not have the ability to prevent a team from hitting big plays consistently. Yeah, I agree with that. <sighs> That's about it, Trevor. Both predicting a loss again. Like I said, you will probably not hear a win prediction from me the remainder of the season. You won't for me either. So I'd have to get, I would like, God would have to visit me like he did the Virgin Mary and say, hey, Vanderbilt is going to win a ball game for me to predict a Vanderbilt win. Pretty much. That's, That's where I, I would have to have a divine revelation from the Holy Spirit. A disheartened, defeated episode 240 of the Door Report for myself, Will Byram. I will not be at the game on Saturday. And my co host, Trevor Hulin, who will be, Hulin, who will be. In First Bank Stadium, Why do holding I do it this down, myself? holding it down on his mother's birthday. I will. I'll, I'm. I'm literally leaving. Shout out to my mother. She literally scheduled her festivities so that I could. I didn't even ask. Like I was like, I'm not going to this ball game. She's like, Well, I did it in case she wanted to go. And I was like, God, I love this woman so much. Thank you, Mama Kathy, um, and happy birthday. Um, happy birthday. But, I uh, yeah, I guess I guess I'll be there now. I don't know. Section F, row forty four. Seat 28. You'll find me there. Find him. Meet him. Meet, meet him at the bank. Luther Burton, find me.
So for myself, Will Byron, and my co-host, Trevor Hoolan, this has been episode 240 of The Door Report, powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty.